Well, good morning. And this section is certainly a, a very interesting section. This doesn't, if I had to boast, I wouldn't be boasting about what Paul talks about here. It just, it just is incredible. It just is incredible. Okay, so I labeled this Paul's service and suffering for Christ. So here's the outline that I've, um, in fact, I'll have to move my cup. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do it there. So this is the outline. So we're down to the section where, and we've come, started in verse 1, we come down through the, Paul's godly jealousy for the Corinthians. We come through the fact of talking about the, the false apostles and, and ministering without charge. We talked about Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. So now we're down to the section of where Paul, as, uh, as was said, he felt it, even though he realized that boast, man's boasting is not what God is about, um, what God wants us to be about. He wants to be about boasting about him and the Lord. Um, so, but Paul says, I think it's necessary, and I'll try to build that case. I'm going to go back and review just a little bit of the previous verses or two, why he felt he had to boast. And the next week, I get to have Mike come back. Yay! <laughs> and he's going to finish up this chapter with, uh, and Paul's going to boast about his weakness. And that's what actually the Lord wants us to do and it's hard that's a hard thing to, to come to boast about our weakness you say it sounds all wrong we're, we're Americans you know we don't boast about weakness you know we boast about you know this or that so whatever but Paul's going to tell us why that's uh, next week Mike will cover that part so okay let's go back here I want to so this section you know the end of last week's topic was Paul was just saying how how do you Corinthians, how are you tolerate, the word tolerate kind of comes up. How do you tolerate these false teachers? So in this verse, he's going to go through and he's going to list five things, five aspects of, of how the Corinthians tolerated these false teachers. And it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty sad situation. Okay, he says, for you tolerate it, the actions of the false apostles... So this is the second time he used the word tolerate. He used it in the previous verse. Um, and the five statements are if statements. Uh, and if isn't always included in most translations, but it's there in the original. And it's assumed to be true. So it's if and assumed to be true. So here we go. The first one. If anyone enslaves you, and they are, so that implies they are enslaving you, and make you a slave of you, they control you, and here's a verse that talks about that aspect. But <clears throat> it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in in order to bring you into bondage. So they were allowing these false teachers to bring them into bondage, to enslave them. And the second point is, if anyone devours you, the idea is kind of colorful, it gobbles you up, takes your substance and takes your money. It reminded me of, the, of the, uh, this verse in Luke, <clears throat> Luke 15.30. But when this, uh, and, and this is a, this is the story of the prodigal son, and this is the older son talking to his father. He says, "But when this son of yours, your, the older son, the prodigal son of yours, came, uh, who has devoured your wealth, and he says, why have you shown him all this grace? You killed the fatted calf. You were gracious to him. So, but he, but he devoured he devoured the father's wealth. So these, you know." By application, these, uh, <clears throat> these false teachers were devouring the wealth of these Corinthians. And he goes on, the third one takes advantage of you to capture you, prey upon you. And this first kind of came to mind in Matthew. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses. 
And then the next one, if you exalt, if he exalts oneself, and they were, they're exalting themselves, you lift, lift yourself above someone. And I thought of the verse that we covered back in chapter 10 about how we're not, we're to be destroying speculation, every lofty thought that raises up against the knowledge of God. We're not to be exalting ourselves, we're to be exalting God, exalting our Savior. And then the last one, if anyone hits you in the face, so this is the idea of insult. And actually, you know, I, I missed it last week, but you know, we have a, we have the, the phrase, a slap in the face, right? You say, you will say that maybe somebody verbally slapped you in the face. So it has a physical context and a, and a, uh, a, by a speech context. Um, and actually, it physically happened to Paul in Acts uh, 23, um, 23.2. He actually was slapped in the face. And actually, Merriman builds a good case that the, the, this was more the, the, the more the thing that you might think that the, the Jewish people were, and they're about the fact if a rabbi didn't like the way you talked, he, he could slap you in the face. That was, that was okay. So it, the physical part was in view here. So they're saying that these, these false apostles were, you know, literally slapping you in the face. And, and Merriman's last comment about this, this verse is, and these actions, are disgrace. You should know better. Why were the Corinthians allowing these false apostles to do these these awful things to them? They, they are you out of your senses? Okay, so that kind of sets the stage for the next verse. And then Paul, you know, Paul in his typical fashion, he he has a heart for the Corinthians. He takes responsibility for this. He says, now Paul says, and he, it's not deserved. He says Paul will lay the disgrace on himself, the disgrace of allowing that those things to happen. And kind of a literal uh, translation of verse 21a is, I speak according to dishonor, as we ourselves have been weak. And dishonor here is the idea of shame, disgrace, of uh, self-disparagement. So Paul kind of had that in view. And and this is irony, really. That was not Paul at all. Paul was was a meek person. And he, he talks about that a little bit. I was with I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And then Second uh, Corinthians ten one. Now I Paul myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am meek when face to face with you, but am bold toward you when absent. Paul had a mighty pen, but a but a meek exterior. Kind of a neat combination. Um, so Marion's finally final comment about this was: we did not act. We, Paul, did not act like authoritative apostles. That wasn't his what he did. So now finally, he's going to get to the what's called the boasting. And you know, and it was, we read through the whole thing. I'm not going to do it again, but uh, just observe one of the key ideas in verse 23. Are are they the false apostles, servants of Christ? And the answer is no way, Jose. Right. They were not servants of Christ. As we learned, they were servants of Satan, right? That's who they were serving and serving themselves, serving themselves and Satan. So that's kind of a, through all these things we'll talk about. Okay, here we go. So first, first off, he's going to basically kind of set the stage here. <clears throat> so he says, and, and Interlinear has it, <clears throat> but, in whatever, but in whatever way anyone may be daring. So that they, rather than saying bold, they use the word daring. It's the same word, Greek word. It's the idea of maybe daring, to be courageous, bold. Uh, 
So the false false apostles had plenty of daring or bolding things to say. But this was a disguise of they wore as servants of Satan. So he says, um, but in but in whatever respect, uh, whatever way they may be daring, in foolishness I speak. So Paul still didn't want to to, to be to be boasting within himself. Human weak, human boasting is not what God is about in, in the Christian. So he says, but I, but I, Paul also am daring. So what's interesting is this. Um, I am, I am also daring. Let's see here. The verb daring is about boasting. Um, he says. Um, so after repeated attempts, uh, he's gonna he's gonna boast. Now he talked about boasting back uh, in ten eight, in eleven one, in eleven six, and sixteen. So he's finally gonna start what Paul calls boasting. Okay. So he starts off. So the first part, if you look carefully here, there's kind of some key key words here. There's a so am I in this verse. And then later on in the next verse, there's going to be a much more. There's a so am I. So that's going to be a comparison, right? That's, he's going to compare himself to the false apostles. He's going to say, so am I. I'm this, so am I. And then we're going to go in 22, I mean in 23 and on, he's going to be, I'm, I'm more so. I beyond. He's going to say, I am beyond what the what these false apostles did. So he starts off with this so am I thing. So the first one is are they Hebrews? So am I. And we know from Philippians three five, he was the he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was he was the one you would look to if you wanted to describe a Hebrew, that would be Paul. Uh, and actually what, what uh, this guy named Barnett via Constable observed was that it looks like, because Paul's doing comparison here, it looks like these opponents or false apostles were also of Jewish origin because he's comparing themselves to them. So it makes you think they're, they're Jewish by origin as well. Are the Israelites? So am I. So from Philippians 3.5 again, circumcised the eighth day, the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin... So his 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 lineage was superb, right? You could you could not top Paul's lineage. Are the descendants or are the seed of Abraham? Uh, Paul traces his descendants all the way back to Abraham because he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Then I also thought about the, the aspect of being a believer. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his descend to his seed. And notice the singular that's that's speaking of Christ. So Paul, you know, being a Jew. He had lineage both ways, as a believer and as a as a uh, Hebrew of Hebrews. Okay, so there's the first three, the Solomites. Now let's move on here to the next part. So he, he kinda, before he starts the next part, he kind of has this little interlude. He asks this key question. So we're going to see the, the I more so's here. He says, are they the false apostles, servants of Christ? So this question is rhetorical. It it demands a, a no answer. No, they're not servants of Christ. I just went through telling you about all these things that they were doing to you. They're not servants of Christ. And Merriman says, of course they're not servants of Christ. I speak as insane. Or you could say, I can't believe I said they're servants of Christ. That doesn't make any sense. They, they don't display uh, the quality of a servant of Christ. <clears throat> and he says, I... I, I more so, I Paul more so. And actually, that's just two words in the Greek. It's uh, ego, who pair. 
And actually, and I like a couple of the possible translations of uh, ego, who uh, pair. It's I beyond them or above measure. So I kind of liked I above measure. So Paul's saying I above measure versus the, um, the false apostles. So now Paul will list how his service for Christ was above measure of the false apostles. So he starts out with in verse the second part of 23. In far more abundant labors. Labors here are the idea to, to work to the point of exhaustion. So you know the, 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 the challenge here is you go through each of these ones or each, each one are kind of dramatic statements. And also this is kind of, it was kind of raised. Uh, Acts is a great um, treasure trove, if you will, of Paul's journeys of his trials and tribulations but it's not exhaustive it doesn't, it doesn't have all the ones here so we find between looking at 2 Corinthians and looking at Acts they don't match sometimes they were written at different time periods 2 Corinthians was written before Acts so some people tried to show where it connects up and I, you know, I, I started going on that path but it got to be so much I said I don't know how I can do this or not so I rely upon several people just to say okay it looks like it matches here so the comparisons I make are probably typical of what it might be in some cases they seem to be exact some cases they're comparisons okay in far more abundant labors labor to the point of exhaustion so here's a verse that seemed to speak to that for we recall brethren our labors and hardships how working night and day so as not to be a burden to you in more frequent imprisonments so according to Macaulay the book of Acts here shows some of these in Acts 16 we see the imprisonment at Philippi this is the Philippian jailer the very familiar one the Philippian jailer so Paul and and Silas are in jail, and this is, that's that account. There was one in Jerusalem in Acts 22. In Acts 23, we see uh, imprisonment at Caesarea. And they had a couple of imprisonments, and his final imprisonment was in Rome. He had two of those. Okay, that was Macaulay. Okay, and then the last part. <clears throat> uh, next he talks about being beaten. Being beaten without number. And the idea of being beaten here is it's with a whip. The Amplified has uh, in stripes inflicted by being whipped beyond measure, often in danger of death. These beings put Paul in a real danger of death. We're not we're not told um, how he was beaten. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next, we're told how he was beaten. Excuse me. So it says five times I received thirty nine lashes. So this is kind of interesting. Um, if you think about the number of lashes, okay, let's look at that. The official, according to Macaulay, the official synagogue punishment was 39 lashes. You know, and actually, I, I'm not sure where I exactly heard this. And actually, let me add one more point here. In Deuteronomy, if you go back in Deuteronomy, the law said you could beat a man 40 times, but no more. 40 was the limit. So the Jews, you know how the Jews were. They they never wanted to, they didn't want to break the law. So they said, well, we're going to make the synagogue rule 39. That seemed to be their their logic. Okay. And then I heard another aspect of this is that because uh, these whippings were so you know they injured a person so much, and I, I I came across it and I told Vani and I couldn't find it again. Apparently, and this is somewhere in my notes, I can't tell you who it is, but they would beat a person 
on the left side of their body, 13 on the left, to get 39, 13 on the left, 13 on the right, and 13 on their back to, to make um, 39 lashes. So that, that's what somebody talked about. I wish I could remember who it was. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, but I thought it was interesting. I believe that's correct. So if you know about that, let, let me know. Out there in TV land or Zoom land. <laughs> All right, so let's go on. Three times, okay, three times I was beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. So now we're going to talk about beatings and punishments. So three times I was beaten with rods. So the rods, you know, the, the Jews did the whip with the really bad things on the end. They whipped people. The, the, the Romans or Gentiles did the rods. And we see an example of that in Acts 16.22. The crowd rose up together against them. And the chief magistrate tore the... Interesting, I, I, kept, I first read this, they tore their own robes. But then I read it this morning, I said, Roger, they don't tear their own robes. They're tearing the robes off <laughs> Paul and Silas. So they're, they're tearing their robes off, so there's a them in there. I, I kept thinking they tore off their robe. No, they tore the robes off and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. So they tore their robes off so they could be beaten. You should read everything, right? <laughs> Once I was stoned. This we have a pretty good... Everybody seems to agree this is the correct account of this. In Acts 14, 19. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having won over the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But you read that in the context, it's like all of a sudden he just kind of stands up and says, I'm okay, let's go on. I mean, it's like, wait a minute, you just got stoned? Can you imagine just any one of these would have put us out of commission forever, just about, or I don't know, just amazing. Okay, now we go to um, three times I was shipwrecked. So, according to Macaulay, he counts um, um, nine voyages Paul made in the book of Acts. And then um, there are three shipwrecks that... that um, that uh, Luke doesn't record. Uh, that was according to uh, Constable. And then um, we have a night and day in the deep. Let's see. A night and day I've spent in the deep. Um, so the, actually that's not recorded. We can't find that. This is the only place in Second Corinthians we see that, as was with uh, some of the shipwrecks too. Obviously, uh, and here's what I kind of mentioned before, obviously Luke was selective in, in what he reported in, the, in, in Acts. It has a lot, but doesn't have them all. Okay, now we move on to... Um, so in this case, we're going to talk about his many journeys. Most of these are, are missionary journeys and all the things that happened as a result of these journeys. In dangers of rivers. Uh, I, could, I couldn't find anything in, in Acts or, or the epistles. So only only recorded here in Second Corinthians in danger of robbers. I can find nothing, but this word is also used of Barabbas. We see the same word, same Greek word, used of Barabbas in dangers of my countrymen. So here's one that kind of speaks to that um, in Acts uh, 9:22. But Saul kept increasing, and this is kind of just amazing how God's word. He's he's giving out God's word, and it it has an effect, and they can't. They can't um, overcome him, his logic and his intellect, and so they just they <laughs> they plot to do away with him. He says, "But Saul or Paul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that 
Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. And what, that was the typical pattern, right? When we went through the book of Acts with Vern, you go through this and you go to the city, you go in, into the synagogues, he preached the word. Then eventually over time, the word would get out and the Jews would come after him. Sometimes there'd be a riot in the city. Sometimes he'd be driven out of the city. But it always, they couldn't, they could not, dis, I know, uh, discount what he was saying. So the lat, they resorted to just trying to kill him. Okay, we continue on. Dangers from Gentiles. So this is back to the, the account uh, in Acts 16. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrate of Thyatira tore their robes. Here, we, here again, I kept reading that the wrong way. Tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten. Uh, in dangers of cities, I, I counted a few. There's, there's many more: Jerusalem, Thyatira, Ephesus, and many more. In dangers in the wilderness, not mentioned elsewhere. In dangers of the sea, um, Paul was shipwrecked. There's a good account of the, that that shipwreck uh, going to Rome. Um, in Acts 27, in dangers from false, false brethren. I thought of the false apostles, even though we don't have any recorded physical danger, but there was certainly they were they were a dangerous bunch, uh, doing you know terrible things to the Corinthian church. So now he'll, now Paul will talk about these last remaining verses about his personal adversities. I've been in labors and hardship. So we see that, that phrase used in Thessalonians. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working day and night, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. Through many sleepless nights, you know, we saw that back earlier in Second Corinthians in chapter 6. And this is sort of like a mini list. He had a mini list of, of trials and tribulations. In beatings and imprisonments, in tumults and labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, and then he repeats it, in hunger and thirst, often without food. So that's the same hunger as mentioned here, and also in in chapter six of Second Corinthians, in cold and exposure. So we'll see the. Let me read eight eight thirty five here first. So who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of the sword? Well, the word nakedness really has a, has the idea of of uh, without sufficient clothing. So you're you're exposed to the elements. You don't have proper clothing. Is and and the translations have picked up on that. So nakedness is used um, in some translations. Some is not. Okay. Then then it kind of then this this whole section kind of winds up with. We talked about all these external pressures that Paul had. Now he's going to talk about the internal pressures. Internal pressures. <clears throat> there is a daily pressure on me of the concerns of all the churches. And the concern here is um, cause for care or anxiety. Pressure. So Weist has this pressure day after day, namely my anxiety for all the assemblies. So, so I was th- I was thinking about that. So Paul had anxiety uh, for all the uh, for all the churches, all the assemblies. So I wondered how many how many does all include? 
How many, how many churches do you think Paul had anxiety for or was concerned about? So I thought, well, I could, I had several, several choices. I could try to count them. And I thought, well, I don't have, <laughs> there's lots of things to do you know, anyway. There's always that, you know, how much more time, you know, that struggle every teacher has. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll look on the internet. <laughs> well, you know, so I found this, these people on the internet, the churchplanning.com. I didn't really, do. so, and they had some interesting things. And they said, well, Paul, they, they said, well, they, they thought 14 churches. Maybe he started 14 churches in his lifetime. And they said, well, you know, 14 doesn't, sounds kind of low. So then I, and I kept searching and, and I came across this chart. And it's by this gentleman named Stephen Rudd, which I think we've come across before here at Holly Hills. He's a gentleman who was a pastor in Canada for 30 years. And he's done a bunch of different things. And, and I, I started looking at his chart and I said, wow, this is a good chart. He, he calculates, and this is, this is not the churches that Paul necessarily started, but this is the churches that Scripture talks about in, you know, in, in Matthew through Revelation. There are 34 churches. And, and look at those churches. Paul went through all those areas, and I'm sure they passed around Paul's writings. So I'm not going to say it's 34, but 34 is, sounds a lot better than 14. So... Uh, so Paul has a, had a burden for every church that he was involved with, that he was involved in, in leading people to Christ. And I think he also was concerned about, as his letters went out to these churches, he was concerned about those churches too. So just amazingly enough, and there's a, a verse for each of these churches, that, um, including the ones in Revelation. So, so Paul was concerned with God's word getting out to the churches. So this, this was really uh, encouraging to me. Okay, so last thoughts for today. Paul is, Paul is not, in fact, magnifying himself uh, in this passage. There's no way he's magnifying himself. There's complete disparity between himself and the adversary. He was serving Christ. They were not. But he's magnifying, through, through this epistle, the amazing grace of God. That, that he, could even, he could even write down how many times he was beaten. I mean, how he survived that, only by God's grace that he ever survived any of that which in the midst of affliction and suffering is sufficient for his every need. So that was from Hughes uh, through Constable. So next week we get to see about uh, um, suffering that Paul's uh, proud about, suffering in his weakness. So let's close. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your marvelous grace. We thank you for Paul's tremendous um, um, faith and trust in you that he would suffer all these things for the for the sake of Christ. Would endure all these things and not um, and, and continue on to to preach your word and to and to be involved in men and women's lives. Father, may we be encouraged by that. In Christ's name, Amen.